triumph in the trap. This is a dog. <laughs> Do you believe in miracles? Hey, I play chess, but only in 4D. I'm by myself, but they think I'm 4D. When they see me online, they think they know me. Go ahead, like and subscribe. You gotta show me. I applied pressure and they tried to reject it. Clearly, ain't see I was a diamond, so they didn't accept it. Told me I was a failure, so I said, F it. Might even start my own school and teach them a lesson. Yeah, I'ma call it South Harmon. Huh. Fly down south and get the south popping. <laughs> One day, I'ma give you a walkthrough and introduce you to this walk too. <laughs> I know you lost, that's just dynasty talk Cause you can't start no franchise without no dynasty talk I took a break from the game, they throw my dynasty stop Till I came back like Wimbyama, I feel like Coach Pop I can't say that I'm the GOAT, cause you ain't gonna agree But if I own my own farm, I can make the GOAT Me, the ladies love the beard, and they used to love the goatee That's when I was a lamb, burning music on CDs I wasn't born in 88 December 87, I was 16 days away Might fly to Dallas, why not? I just got paid today When I land this dirt statue, I came to fade away Check the timeline for the stories and the play-by-play My life a Patreon link, you gotta pay to play I worked 16 hours, boy, that's an 8 and 8 X-Factor like Dez Bryant, my boy 88 Why dream light when you living like a heavyweight? This ain't a one-week thing, we grind like every day They know my destination, Devi, like I I hang with Ray. If they ain't know my name, I bet they know my name today. Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. Drop, drop this on Fizzle Friday, cause that's my favorite day. And I'm gonna do it my way, cause that's my favorite way. They tried to put me on the shelf like I'm layaway. Told me it ain't no way, so I made a way. Huh? Welcome to South Harmon, I'm glad you're here today. Welcome to South Harm and I'm glad you here today. I'm glad you here today. Welcome to South Harm and I'm glad you here today. I'm glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Huh? Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back once again to America's Game, episode number 7. I'm your host, Eric Vanek, and you can find me on Twitter, at EricVanekNFL. And as always, you can follow the show's pod, at America's Game Pod. We also have a new South Harmon Twitter account, that is at South Harmon FF. So make sure you guys give all three of those a follow on Twitter, that would be very much appreciative. Um... You know, hey, we're after week one here. This is going to be uh, a little bit of a different show today. Just going to be a solo show with me. So I just want to kind of give my my thoughts on week one and some trades that we could m- possibly make here after week one that I'm seeing. So I uh, just want to kind of give my thoughts here on week one. So obviously we had two very, very big injuries after week one. Obviously we had two season-ending injuries in Aaron Rodgers and J.K. Dobbins. So starting off with Aaron Rodgers first, kind of just looking at, you know, obviously super devastating. As me as an Aaron Rodgers fan personally, um, you know, last episode or two episodes ago or whatever it was, uh, we did our predictions for the season, and I had the Jets go into the Super Bowl. So obviously that's out now. And Aaron Rodgers, obviously he's going to be tumbling down the dynasty ranks right now. So unfortunate as it is with Aaron Rodgers, it is what it is. Um, I've kind of heard Scott talk about it. I think he's selling Aaron Rodgers pretty cheap. You can probably have him for a second or a third, I'm guessing. I haven't really asked um, Scott what he's thinking about trading Aaron Rodgers, but I think I agree with him if that's what his stance is after after that devastating injury. I'm just looking at tre- keep trade cut, and he has tumbled so far down the rankings that they have Kyle Trask, Josh Dobbs, Clayton Toon, Tyler Huntley, Stetson Bennett above him. So... I'm guessing keep trade cut and all the players on there are thinking he is just going to retire or be done. Um, He came out with a tweet that says today that he will rise again, that he will be back. 
I happen to believe him. So maybe I'm maybe I'm the guy that goes out there and I'm going to buy a couple Aaron Rodgers for cheap. So maybe that's what I end up doing here. But yeah, his uh, I've never seen a chart like this on Keep Trade Cut. He was you know very very high and he went to from quarterback probably like 18, 19 to 45 in a matter of days. He just has the biggest drop on his chart. Pretty crazy, to, uh, quite honestly. But yeah, it sucks for Aaron Rodgers. And that's what I think I would do with him in our dynasty leagues right now. I think I'm going to go ahead and shop him around, you know, a second, maybe a third. Maybe you can get a third and another player, um, you know, something like that. Uh, it's something that could help your team, whether it's, you know, best ball, you're probably going to want a receiver back. If you if it's a lineup league, you could probably get, you know, uh, a running back back to you as well. Something like that to consider for Aaron Rodgers. Um, kind of looking at some of the peripheral um, options on that team, though. So when I look at that, I'm talking about like Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Tyler Conklin. I don't think the running backs will be affected too much um, with Aaron Rodgers going down. But looking at Garrett Wilson, you know, he right now he is still top five. He is fifth currently on keep trade cut. And I think, you know, I know Scott's talked about it. I've seen him mention it a couple times. But if you can tear down from Garrett Wilson, tear down to... Let's say here you go to wide receiver 11, Stephon Diggs. Wide receiver 10, Devontae Smith. Wide receiver 15, Brandon Ayuk. You know, wide receiver 17, Calvin Ridley. Maybe you can tear down from Garrett Wilson to one of those guys. Maybe you get a first-round pick back. You know, ask for that because of how highly Garrett Wilson is. Um, right now, though, I'm thinking people... I mean, if, if you've followed the dynasty space and what myself and Scott have talked about and others have talked about in this space and just kind of looking at, you know, the fantasy player is just getting much smarter. This tier down to get a first is like rarely happening unless it's like, you know, a league that just, you know, it, you know, it's a league that people aren't following us, um, the podcasts and stuff like that, they're not following as closely as they should be, and you can take advantage of them. I'd say m probably most of your listen our listener base is guys that you're in leagues with or something like that, something close to it. You know, you might have to go Garrett Wilson and get a second to get a Brandon Ayuk. Um, is it really worth it at that point? Because, you know, you, you don't know what the Jets situation is. They could be, you know, Aaron Rodgers can have a very catastrophic Achilles injury and he can't come back from it and it's Zach Wilson again next year in that case hey I'd rather have a DK Metcalf I'd rather have JSN I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk I'd rather have Zay Flowers I'd rather have Calvin Ridley like Garrett Wilson is one of the guys that's going to tumble here a little bit so if you can tear down from a Garrett Wilson and get somebody who's going to be even more productive this year like uh, Stephon Diggs is probably perfect because of his age, uh, 29 years old, going to be 30 here uh, sometime during the season. But Stephon Diggs just came off another 10-catch game where he's getting targeted. He's just set up for another 110, 120-catch season. Um, Garrett Wilson is not getting 110, 120 catches this year, I'm, I'm afraid. So um, even like if you go to Ayuk, you know, he's an ascending player. Like I don't think the difference between Garrett Wilson and Ayuk is going to be that far off um this year and my Ayuk honestly might even have a better better year than him calvin really might have a better year than him christian watson might have a better year than him so you got to think of uh think of that too so that's what i'm looking at with with garrett wilson I, I wouldn't mind um doing something like that now for the other two receivers on the jets right now so obviously alan lazard and mccall hardman now with lazard you know, he was ba barely worth, you know, maybe a back-end second with Aaron Rodgers. Probably not. He's probably more of a third-round pick. That's probably where he's at right now still is like a third-round pick range. So what you could do with Alan Lazard is try and trade him uh, for a third-round pick, obviously. And if not, maybe you can get one of these guys who just didn't perform very well in week one or, or a guy that, like, nobody really likes. So, like, you're looking at, like, okay, obviously Van Jefferson's on this list behind him, Tutu Atwell's behind him, Curtis Samuel, um, 
trying to, Josh Reynolds, like maybe you could get Josh Reynolds for him because Josh Reynolds was probably on the waiver wire anyways at some point. Um, but I'm looking at Lazard, and he's just barely worth a third. And I wouldn't go for one of those guys that actually had a decent week in, in week one. I would maybe look to... You know, some of these guys who struggled in week one, uh, some guys that are behind him on this list, Paris Campbell, Chase Claypool, Hunter Renfro, who I mentioned on the waiver wire podcast was like invincible um, or invisible, I should say. Um, Khalil Shakir didn't even like really play at all. I don't even think he got a thing, uh, a target. Darius Slayton, um, he played, but was he that great? Xavier Hutchinson's a young rookie that uh, is looking to do something. Greg Dorch only played on special teams. You know, A.T. Perry, he was inactive. Robert Woods had a really big week, but he's old. Jalen Tolbert only played a little bit, but, you know, they were up so much they didn't have to throw the ball, so maybe that's a guy. Um, Devontae Parker was inactive. Allen Robinson, he's going to probably, you're probably not going to be able to get Allen Robinson or Allen Lazard right now. Uh, You could take a shot that Richie James ends up becoming one of the better Kansas City receivers. You know, just kind of, those are some of the names that I wanted to bring up for you guys to kind of think about, like, if you wanted to dump Lazard for, like, another receiver that has some best ball upside. Otherwise, you're probably probably looking at a third um you know if somebody's interested in, the, in Lazard still but I just don't know how many how many people are going to be interested in Alan Lazard still the other name that I mentioned was McCole Hardman McCole Hardman was barely worth a third round pick before the Aaron Rodgers injury now after the Aaron Rodgers injury I would spam my league for any fourth round pick it's McCole Hardman and if nobody bites on him, I'm okay with dropping him because I just don't think McCall Hardman and Zach Wilson are going to match up very good. Um, you could kind of try the same situation that I mentioned before, but you're going to have to dig even lower. You're going to have to go for like Nick Westbrook Akine, who at least has a job and, and is getting plenty of snaps. You're going to have to look at maybe a guy like Jawan Jennings, who didn't do anything in week one. Um, you know, Braxton Berrios, like guys that were on waivers uh, probably not too long. Matt Collins, who I mentioned on the um, couple podcasts here as well. Like, you're going to have to, like, dig that low or maybe for, like, a, a Jason Brownlee who has some upside, but he's not playing right now, even though it's the same team. Um, just to try and, like, get yourself some upside there. Even if it's just a fourth-round pick, I'm fine with the fourth-round pick because I can package those thirds and fourths later on in the year to, to get me, you know, a spot start running back or, you know, maybe use them during the draft to move up, something like that. So I don't mind, like, selling off a, uh, a McCall Hardman or an Allen Lazard like that at all. So now I'm going to look at... Um, the tight end here so obviously with uh tyler conklin here uh, i'm gonna look and see exactly where he's at still i bet you he is dropped quite a bit yes he has dropped quite a bit as well um he is at tight end 41 so there are some names above him here None I would expect. So I think Conklin coming into the year had a bigger bigger name than some of these guys I'm going to mention, but I wouldn't mind sending, hey, uh, Tyler Conklin for Kate Otten, if somebody's willing to do that. No, Kate Otten played a bunch, but even that. Daniel Bellinger is another one I wouldn't mind sending uh, Tyler Conklin for. Bellinger right now, he's the backup there for the Giants, um, but, you know, Waller gets hurt. And if Bellinger ends up getting in there, Bellinger's going to be way above Tyler Conklin at that point, even with Conklin having the starting job. Um, you could try for Adam Troutman. It looks like he's the guy in Denver right now, and especially after the Dulcich injury. Uh, and Dulcich is going to miss a month or, or month plus. So maybe getting a guy like um, Adam Troutman for Tyler Conklin is not a bad move. Tucker Craft, he didn't do anything in week one, but I'm still willing to take a shot. Um if somebody wants to get off of Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz had 10 targets in week one. Who would have saw that coming? Maybe you could, you know, dump Conklin and get an older Zach Ertz for one year uh, before he implodes. Jelani Woods, he's on the IR right now. Definitely would rather have Jelani Woods over Tyler Conklin right now. Um, some guys below him on the list, like Durham Smythe. 
I bet you could probably get Durham Smythe and a draft pick for Tyler Conklin, maybe like a fourth or a third for Tyler Conklin, just because Durham Smythe was somebody that was on waivers every single week, but he played 100% of the snaps for Miami last week. So you know Durham Smythe is going to be out there every single week, and you kind of just take your take your stats that you get with him, basically, especially in some uh, best ball leagues. Uh, just looking at some of the other names below him, you know, the rookie, Brenton Strange, he didn't really play. Luke Farrell played above him. Don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, just looking at some of these other names, like Kylan Granson, just because Jelani Woods isn't out there. Granson led the team in uh, tight end snaps there, and he did pretty decent. I bet you could get Conklin um, for Granson and a draft pick. You know, you could do something like that. Logan Thomas is very far down the list here. Tight end 56. If I can make that flip, I am doing that in a heartbeat right now because Logan Thomas, um, he's you know he's 32 years old, yeah, but I mean he looked pretty solid um, his first week back from after his injuries. Looks like he's back, ready to go. That would be a guy I wouldn't mind picking up. Is like a a Logan Thomas for Tyler Conklin. I actually might make some of those offers um, on my own teams this evening. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what the, the, the range that you're looking for here with the tight ends, like. Conklin, you can probably sell and, and tear down and get another draft pick. You can maybe swap him for another guy um, that's in the similar similar range. But, yeah, that's kind of where Conklin's at right now. Um, the running backs, like I said, I don't think that matters too much for me on the running back side uh, with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook and those guys. I don't think that's going to matter too much. But, yeah, that's what you're looking at there with the running backs uh, right now on the Jets. And then let's flip over to the J.K. Dobbins injury. So looking at Dobbins, you know, obviously he tore his Achilles as well. Coming off of that major, major, major knee injury from two years ago now. And now you add the Achilles onto him. Now you look at the other running backs that we've talked about over the last couple years that have gotten the Achilles injuries. The Cam Akers of the world. The Marlon Max of the world. Uh, Deontay Foreman had one years ago. But Deontay Foreman has come back and honestly has played pretty decently um, since his Achilles injury. But he's like one of the only ones. Akers has been okay. But that's just okay. Like it's nothing special at all from Cam Akers. Yes, he had a couple of big runs there at the end of last year. Um, but look at James Robinson. The guy can't even find a job right now. And if you watched week one, like... The Rams obviously think Kyron Williams is better than Cam Akers. And Kyron Williams had better stats. Cam Akers was 22 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. We've all liked Cam Akers, but man, it is—it just doesn't look good for Cam Akers right now. And now with J.K. Dobbins having this um, torn Achilles plus the um, knee injury from two years ago. Man, it is rough. I know uh, Scott and myself have talked about that one too. And that is basically uh, any third round pick for J.K. Dobbins. And he is gone. That you can sell J.K. Dobbins. Where I'm looking for Dobbins on this list. Here he is finally. RB79. He has fallen that far on treat keep trade cut since then. Guys below him are Pierre Strong Jr., Travion Williams, Eric Gray, Kareem Hunt, Keaton Mitchell. This is the land of where J.K. Dobbins is at, and I don't disagree on it either. So J.K. Dobbins, any of these guys, you could probably get a third-round pick for. Travion Williams, Eric Gray, Keaton Mitchell. I, don't, I mean, some of these guys you might have to get a fourth-round pick for. So this is the range that J.K. Dobbins has fallen to, and I don't disagree with it either. Um, you kind of just, if you want um, to sell Dobbins, you, this is what you're going to have to sell for. It's a third-round pick. Any third gets him. Just, I would type that in your chat. Hey, anybody interested in J.K. Dobbins, just send me any third-round pick, 2024, 2025, third-round pick, whatever. You got him, you know, and you just send him away. So that's kind of what I would do um, with J.K. Dobbins as well. Now, Let's look at the other side of, okay, you're going to have Gus Edwards, you're going to have Justice Hill, and you're going to have Melvin Gordon because they're not going to sign anybody right now. I think Gus Edwards, for me, is the guy to own right now if I'm going to own any of them. Am I going to pay up to get Gus Edwards? No. Like, looking at Keep Trade Cut, yes, he's went up a little bit, but he's still RB51. He's like in the Damian Harris, Chase Browns, Amir White 
uh, Deuce Vaughn, Jerome Ford range. And those guys are like third round picks as well, probably. So if you could buy Gus Edwards for a third and you can afford it, I think that's a guy that I would go ahead and do that for. You know, Justice Hill, I know he was like the hot waiver wire pickup today for most people. And that's because he had two touchdowns, but he had eight carries for nine yards and two touchdowns. And he has an Achilles injury he's coming off of from two years ago as well. So Justice Hill is not the guy I want to do. He has never done that much in the NFL. Gus Edwards has at least carried the load and, you know, been a productive back. Justice Hill has never been productive as much as um, people like me and Scott liked him when he was coming out. He's just never been productive, and the Ravens have never used him. Another thing, too, with the Ravens, uh, I'm pretty sure that they did not throw um, to any of the running backs. Uh, Okay, J.K. Dobbins had three targets, but Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, they had zero targets um, in the passing game during uh, last week's game. Justice Hill ran seven routes. Gus Edwards ran five. J.K. Dobbins ran 14. So Dobbins had more routes run than both of those guys combined. Uh, They're not going to be pass catchers either. So they're going to be kind of the same offense um, that I think it's always going to be with those guys. So... If you want to buy some Justice Hill, if you can get them for, um, God, if I can give up a fourth and another back, then I'm not really caring about, like a Travion Williams or a Kenny McIntosh, somebody like that to get them, sure, I'll go ahead and do it. But I'm not going to, I'm not spending heavy, heavy capital on Justice Hill. Um, if you want to, it's probably past waiver wire time, so it's not really worth it to talk about Fab, but. I mean, if you can buy him for fab, if you give a fourth-round pick and, and let's say, out of a $100 budget, um, you give up 15 20 bucks 20 of your fab, give, give 15 20 bucks 20 on a fourth-round pick for Justice Hill if somebody's willing to do that, sure, I'll, I'd go ahead and, and buy Justice Hill for that. But for me personally, I think if I, I'm hoping I have Justice Hill already, which I really didn't have too much of him because I dropped him a long time ago uh, but if I did happen to have Justice Hill I'd be looking to sell him for any third and try to get a sucker to buy on, on that any third uh, the other guy that I'm going to mention now is Melvin Gordon so he was picked up uh, this week as well he's going to be activated um, from the Ravens practice squad so I think I'm in the same boat like with him with Justice Hill like any third I'll sell him well, I buy them, sure. I'll buy them for like a fourth and some fab or a fourth and a running back I don't really care about. Um, I'll take a couple shots at Melvin Gordon that way just because you never know. Melvin Gordon might have a little bit of a role. But I think uh, I think Gus Edwards is going to be the guy. And I don't think he's going to catch very many balls. He might not have more than 20 catches all year. Um, but I think he should be the goal line guy. He should be the guy that's grinding out for yards. Um, he could be a, a decent RB2 slash flex play for you weekly is kind of what I'm looking at there with the Ravens running backs. Um, yeah, so that was that was our two main injuries this week. Kind of sucked. Uh, we had a couple other injuries. You know, Deontay Johnson's going to miss a month. Dulcich, I mentioned, was going to miss like probably a month as well with his hamstring injury. Uh, Kenny Gainwell is going to be out for, for this game um, on Thursday night. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a couple other injuries I'm missing off the top of my head. But, you know, just looking at, just looking at it here... Um, I think it's a, it's it's an interesting you know dil- trade trade uh, dilemma that you can look at right now with some of these guys. So, just wanted to bring up a couple of those trade uh, chips that you could probably look at to do in, in some of your leagues right now. Um, then I want to kind of look at you know kind of some of my takeaways here from week one. So just kind of looking at uh, each game here a little bit. So I'm going to start off here with Atlanta and Carolina. So looking at Atlanta's offense right now. I mean, obviously, with having Desmond Ritter, they only attempted 18 passes. Yeah, he completed 50 of them. It was like barely 100 yards or 80 yards. I don't know what the hell he threw for. It wasn't very much. Um, Drake London had one target the entire game on 20 routes run. Mac Hollins had four targets on 17 routes run. The one positive I'm going to take away from the Falcons' offense, obviously we already knew that they were going to be able to run the ball really good. Uh, Bijan and Algier are going to be a a nice one-two tandem this year. But I like that the offense is concentrated 
as far as targets go, routes run are concerned. So Drake London and Mac Hollins, and that is it for wide receivers that even matter on this team. Tight ends, obviously Kyle Pitts is going to run the most routes. Johnu Smith ran seven routes, but that's not a whole lot at all. And the two running backs, Bijan Robinson and Algier. So Algier ran some routes, Bijan ran some routes. Obviously the um, touches weren't what we wanted. We wanted more Bijan touches than Algier touches, but Algier is going to be like a weekly flex play this year, I think. He's going to get his touches, and it's we're going to just have to live with it. Bijan's going to kind of be used as a weapon. Obviously, he's going to run the ball. He's going to be the receiving guy too. So it's going to cut into Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Much like the uh, Garrett Wilson talk from earlier, like Drake London's going to be another guy that, man, if I could tear down from Drake London and pick up a draft pick and you know not lose too much there on the wide receivers um, side of things with Drake London, I'd be willing to do that as well. So kind of just looking at keep trade cut here real quick. Wide receiver 19 for Drake London. Can I tear down and get George Pickens? Um, and a draft pick for Drake London, you know, it's probably going to have to be like maybe a second or a third. Can I tear down to, I mean, they have Debo Samuel above him. I'd much rather have Debo Samuel than Drake London the rest of the year. Um, Chris Godwin, I'd rather have Chris Godwin over Drake London and Godwin's wide receiver 30. You know, that's almost, that's a 10 spot difference. Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, you know, some of these older guys, um, that are on this list, I'd much rather, like, Mike Williams is way down here. Wow. Mike Williams is wide receiver 43. I'd much rather have Mike Williams or Elijah Moore, who had a pretty decent first week. Like, yeah, Drake London's a great talent, but I don't see this offense changing anytime soon until they get a quarterback. So maybe it's time for you to look at Drake London and tearing down off of him if you can as well. Um, looking at Carolina here real quick. So obviously, um, you know, they had three, their three main receivers ran almost 70 snaps each. Um, routes run were pretty equal between Thielen, Marshall, and Mingo. Uh, sounds like DJ Chark is going to practice this week and will be back. So we'll see how that changes the dynamic between those guys. But it wasn't very pretty the first uh, week there for uh, Carolina. Uh, a lot of pressure there. Bryce Young had to throw the ball away eight times, I was reading, which was uh, the third most that PFF has recorded uh, with eight throwaways. So that's, you know, at least he's throwing the ball away, sure. But uh, offense has got to get a little bit better. they got to protect him a little better. I really liked Hayden Hurst. Um, the other tight ends are playing, yes. But Hayden Hurst is clearly the tight end one there. I think Hayden Hurst could be a sneaky you know, back end, tight end one weekly for you. So Hayden Hurst was a guy I thought did really well. LaVisca Chenault, I wanted to bring him up because he's probably on a wild waiver wires, but I think he might have a role as like a wide receiver slash running back. So I think in best ball, he might not be a terrible guy, like your last guy on your bench in a really deep league, where Chenault might get a rushing touchdown one week. He might get a receiving touchdown one week. Um, I think that's a possibility. He only played 25 snaps, but I think they kind of want to use him as like a gadget player. So if you have a really deep best ball league, I wouldn't mind putting Chenault on the end of my bench. Uh, Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard played quite a bit. Miles Sanders was clearly back there. Um, he had 18 carries on his 44 snaps, ran 21 routes as well. Uh, Chuba Hubbard was used as well. So the Frank Reich and his past, that checks out because he's always used um, two running backs like that as well. Um, now looking at the Baltimore-Houston game here real quick. So Baltimore, you know, we're looking at kind of the same kind of concentrated offense, which we love to see. Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers led the team in, in snaps, routes run. So L Odell had 59 snaps, 30 routes run, only two targets, though. Zay Flowers, 54 snaps, 28 routes run, 10 targets on those routes, which is nice to see. Rashad Bateman, he only played 25 snaps, 17 routes run, though, which was nice, and three targets. Nelson Aguilar played 24 snaps, so basically split time with Bateman. Um, ran eight routes, but had no targets. Devin DuVernay was in there a little bit, too. So... 
I think the the Ravens' offense is going to kind of be concentrated as well, especially in the passing game. I think it's going to be Odell, Flowers, Bateman, and then Mark Andrews, and maybe a little bit of Isaiah Likely when he comes back. And these running backs aren't going to get a lot of targets. So I like that with the Ravens' offense, too. It's a concentrated offense. We know the guys that are going to get the ball. So these Nelson Aguilar types, Devin DuVernay types, uh, Charlie Kohler types, Honestly, they're droppable. They're worth nothing because they're not going to get you anything. Even if they're, you know, it's going to take an injury for those guys to ever do anything. So they're kind of just eating up a roster space for you. So I like that from looking at that offense. Looking at Houston's offense, so they're going to have a little bit different coming up this week because Noah Brown got put on IR and uh, John Mechie practiced. So John Mechie will make his NFL debut probably next week. Uh, and they've already talked about, hey, we got to get Tank Dell more involved in running routes. And I think they're going to. So Robert Woods and Nico Collins were the clear one and two wide receivers on this offense week one. Noah Brown ran a bunch of snaps and routes. Uh, but I think Tank Dell is going to soak most, most, of that, yeah, most of that up. And John Mechie's going to come in there too. Um, Dalton Schultz, clear tight end one by a mile here. They didn't even use the other tight ends really. Um, Damian Pierce and Mike Boone. So Mike Boone was in there quite a bit. 25 snaps, 19 routes run. So he was pretty much in there for third down work. Um, He did play a little bit over Devin Singletary as well in this game. I'm guessing it's just because of of, uh, them being behind. Yeah, so just kind of looking more into it here. Mike Boone played the majority of passing down snaps on third down as well as a two-minute drill. So that's why Mike Boone's numbers were up and they were down a little bit. So not like going out to buy Mike Boone or anything, but pretty interesting uh, usage here for the Texans. They just need to, their offensive line is just kind of scrambled right now with a lot of injuries going on there. Um, So I think it's going to look, maybe this first month is going to look kind of ugly here for CJ Stroud like it did week one. Uh, but I think once they get, once they get it going here, they should be all right. All right, next game up here we're going to talk about is the Bengals and the Browns. So this is obviously an ugly game uh, from the Bengals standpoint. It was a pretty wet game the whole time, but it's a pretty standard offense which we'd love to see again. Uh, concentrated offense. I'm going to keep bringing that up. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. That is it. Those are the only three receivers they really use. Trent Irwin played a little bit, but. Not a lot to be fancy effective. Irv Smith, he ran all the routes, got all the targets for tight ends. That's what we love to see. Joe Mixon ran all the routes, um, targets, got all that for the running backs. Travion Williams did run eight routes to Chris Evans' three. Um, Travion Williams doubled his snaps as well. So I definitely like Travion Williams as well as like the backup right now. He might not play the Samaj P. Ryan role yet, but it's starting to trend that way that hey, you know, we can't feed Joe Mixon 80-90% of the snaps. We're going to have to use somebody else. So I think Travion Williams is going to be the guy that they go to first. I think Chase Brown, who was inactive for this game, is going to have to learn how to pass block. He's going to have to learn the playbook a little bit more before they get him out there. But I love what I saw from Irv Smith routes run target-wise. There's no reason why Irv Smith can't put up the numbers that Hayden Hurst put up with this team last year. No, you know, doubt, no doubt about it in my mind. Looking at the Cleveland side of the ball, so Amari Cooper didn't play as much as the other guys. He had 45 snaps compared to Peoples-Jones 66 and Elijah Morris 52. You know, Cooper didn't practice much in the um, training camps and stuff. Uh, He did have that injury. I think they kind of just took it easy on him in the fourth quarter when they had the big lead. Um, So he didn't play as much. I think Amari Cooper will be fine. I'm not worried about him. Um, But the Browns, you know, they were were a little bit of a, not a concentrated offense, but... Uh, they didn't use as many receivers as they hit. So they had six receivers run over uh, 10 snaps, you know, uh, routes run, you know, not as high as that. But, you know, Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, Mari Cooper are the main three. But they still had Tillman out there. They still had David Bell out there. They still had Marquise Goodwin out there. I think Marquise Goodwin's just a fly pattern guy at this point for them. Cedric Tillman 
is just an injury guy. Like if there's going to be an injury to, on the outside, Tillman will be the guy to take in there. David Bell is just somebody the team likes. The tight ends, they're using all three tight ends again. The good thing is David and Joku is dominating the routes there, but they're still using Harrison Bryant. They're still using Jordan Akins. They're playing a lot of two tight end sets. So those guys are going to be out on the field. And then the running backs, they only use two. Uh, Nick Chubb had 100 yards, had a really great game. Jerome Ford had 30 snaps, 12 routes run as well. Um, Chubb was the only one who even got targeted in the pass game. There was no targets there for Jerome Ford. Uh, But Ford played a lot in the fourth quarter. That's where a lot of his snaps came, and they kind of just took it easy on Nick Chubb in this one, which was good to see. Uh, Next game up I'm going to quickly talk about here is Jacksonville and Indy. So looking at the Jacksonville side of things, they only used three receivers, which was awesome. Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. Now, the thing here, though, with Christian Kirk is he was pretty much reduced to just slot role only. He did not play that much on the outside. It was Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley when they played 12 personnel, um, and Christian Kirk would come out. So Christian Kirk's numbers... I think they're going to come down, obviously, from what they were last year. He only had 43 snaps, 24 routes run, only got two targets. Compared to Zay Jones, 61 snaps, 32 routes run, six targets. Calvin Ridley, 57 snaps, 34 routes run, 11 targets. So obviously Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley are going to be the main guy there. Uh, Evan Ingram is still going to be a huge part of this offense. 51 snaps, 31 routes run, 5 targets. So just as much as those receivers. Um, Travis Etienne is going to be the clear receiving back for this team as well. 56 snaps, 30 routes run, 5 targets. Uh, Bigsby had 15 snaps, 5 routes run, 1 target, 7 carries as well. So... When Bigsby was out there, he was doing something for sure. Now, um, I think as the season goes on, we're going to probably see a little more Bigsby and a little less ETN, um, especially on the ground game. So that's kind of what I'm anticipating. But ETN's still a really good player, so I don't think they're going to keep him down for long. Uh, Now, looking at the Indianapolis side of things, okay, so they... We're a concentrated offense for the most part between the receivers. So Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs. Those three are going to be running all the routes, all the snaps. None of the other receivers really did anything. So Josh Downs, if you picked him up in some of your leagues, I think he's going to be a a nice sneaky best ball player. I don't know if you're going to be able to trust him in lineup. Uh, that much, but maybe a bye week fill-in just because he is getting the routes run and the targets. But, um, yeah, Josh Downs looked really solid for his first week. Um, the tight end situation. So, Kylan Granson, 44 snaps, 34 routes run, 6 targets. Love seeing that. Mo Alley was in there, 31 snaps, 16 routes run. Andrew Ogletree suffered a concussion, and actually he led the team in snaps um, at the tight end position before the injury. So he had 15 snaps, 7 routes run, 2 targets in his 15 snaps. Then Kylan Granson took over after Ogletree suffered the concussion. So that's kind of sneaky to me. I might have to go in my leagues and pick up an Andrew Ogletree if he's out there, uh, especially in like a best ball league, and kind of see what happens there. Because maybe it was Ogletree who was supposed to be the starter in this game and was going to be the guy who led the team in routes and snaps and all that. I think it was still going to be a three-way uh, monster at the tight end spot there for them, but that's something to uh, to keep an eye on. Running back, so obviously um, Evan Hole went on IR, so he's going to be out for a minimum of uh, whatever it is, three or four weeks. Deion Jackson led the team in carries and routes run and all that, but Deion Jackson was, wasn't very good. 13 for 14 on rushing. Uh, good thing for the Colts is Zach Moss comes back this week, or he should. Uh, he was close to playing this week. They ruled him out, uh, but I think getting Zach Moss back should at least give them a better hammer running back a more efficient running back um and then Deion jackson should kind of play like i don't want to say the naeem hines role uh excuse me but he should play you know get the routes run be in there on third downs and stuff like that so i'm hoping you listened to me in my tweet last week and sold your Deion jackson um now we're going to kind of look here at um the next game here up, and that's the Saints and the Titans. This is a kind of a an ugly game for the most part. So we'll start off here with the Saints side of the ball. 
pretty much same thing here that we've seen with most of these other teams. Olave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, those are the guys getting the snaps and the routes run. Uh, Shahid, 35 snaps, 25 routes run, 6 targets. So pretty much any time Rashid Shahid was out there, he was running around. So that was good to see. Um, Keith Kirkwood did play 22 snaps. Didn't run very many routes though, so... Keith Kirkwood is probably, if there's an injury, that's probably the next guy up for you. Jawan Johnson, Foster Moreau. So those guys played quite a bit. Um, Foster Moreau played a lot more than I thought he would. Uh, 50 snaps for Jawan, 32 for Foster Moreau. But Jawan ran most of the routes, 32 routes run, 5 targets. Moreau didn't even get a target on his routes run. Jimmy Graham played 9 snaps, 2 routes run. Like, what are we doing here with Jimmy Graham? I mean, I thought it was a dumb signing in the beginning anyways, but... um, this is another team, too, with the running back situation. Obviously, Kamara is suspended. Uh, Kendra Miller was out. It was the Jamal Williams show, and he didn't, like, he didn't kill it. 49 snaps, 24 routes run, two targets, at 18 carries. So, yeah, Jamal did what he was supposed to do, but you got to remember, too, like, the Titans were, um, I don't remember if they were number one, but they were at least top three in run defense last year. So they were up against a, a very potent, stout run defense here. So I think that's a little bit of the reason why Jamal Williams didn't do as good. Um, so the Titans now. So Titans, three wide receivers ran routes pretty much. Hopkins, Westbrook, Kine, Traylon Burks. Thank you. Let's keep it that way. Tight ends. Chickaconquo, 52 snaps, 30 routes run, two targets. Um, Chickaconquo got a big zero for you, but I think that's a nice, he could be a nice buy low for you. I mean, I, pretty much, I think the people that have Chickaconquo are going to be the Conquo fans, but if you can buy low on him, hey, if I can trade that Tyler Conklin for Chickaconquo or something like that, um, sure, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Maybe if, even if I threw in Conklin in a fourth, Conklin in a third to get Chickaconquo, I think I would do that as well because the numbers, the snaps run, the routes run here are showing me that Chickaconquo is going to have a big role this year on this team, and his, his numbers are going to hit. Um, it just didn't happen in week one for him. So here's the interesting one that a lot of people have talked about. It was the snap share between Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry in week one. So Tajay Spears had more snaps than Derrick Henry, which is crazy. And it was a lot of the third down and passing game snaps that Tajay Spears got. So 34 snaps, 20 routes run. He had four targets. He only had three carries. So obviously Henry was doing much of the the heavy work there. Uh, Henry had 30 snaps, 10 routes run, two targets, 15 carries. And he caught both of his targets, uh, Derrick Henry did. He actually had 56 yards. Um, So yeah, Derrick Henry is going to... um, He's going to cede a little bit here to Tajay Spears. They're going to use Tajay Spears. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, But I think it's going to have to be games grip dependent here for Derrick Henry uh, they're just going to have to have some leads and that's when you're going to get the big Derrick Henry games so hopefully that will happen here soon uh, next game up Washington and Arizona we can quickly go through this game because uh, both teams kind of stink Wide receiver-wise, awesome. McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel ran the most routes. Uh, Diami Brown did get in there a little bit too, but didn't have any targets. Tight end, uh, Logan Thomas, 58 snaps run, 32 routes run, 7 targets. So that's why I was talking about him earlier in the Tyler Conklin discussion. I would love to get Logan Thomas over Tyler Conklin right now, easily. Um, Cole Turner did not you know, uh, get in the receiving game as much as I thought he could and should. Uh, but I could see that going up as the season goes on. Running backs, it was the two guys, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. But um, Antonio Gibson did not do very much here. Brian Robinson actually had more routes run than Antonio Gibson did. Now, I don't know if that was because of Gibson's very, very brutal fumble um, earlier in the game, but that's what it was. Brian Robinson, 19 carries to Antonio Gibson's three. So definitely killed him there. Uh, Arizona, so they used three wide receivers. Again, Michael Wilson, Marquise Brown, Rondale Marr, that is it. Zach Paschal had five snaps, three routes run. So that was their fourth receiver. So nice to see that. I like Michael Wilson as, you know, somebody I would roster in my best ball leagues and just kind of see what happens there. I know his stats weren't pretty, but 
Dude led the the team in snaps um, from the receivers spot, and Rob's run was the same as Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz. Like, beautiful. That's what you want to see, and that's a young rookie. Uh, so I could see some upside there for Michael Wilson at some point. Um, this Zach Ertz thing, man, this is the one that was crazy to me. Like, there was talk of him being limited um, all week because he was questionable for the game, limited in practice all week. And then he goes out and leads the team in 48 snaps, 32 rouse run, 9 targets, 0 carries. Um, I actually think it was 10 targets I saw on another website, but we'll go with 9 for now. Um, Scott Connor brought it up to me while we were texting and watching the games. And Zach Ertz led the NFL in targets through the halfway point of the 1 p.m. games. Like, he led the NFL in targets, which is crazy to me. I would have never put any money on that. But, hey, Zach Ertz... He's still a thing. Maybe you can sell him. Can he, can I get any third for Zach Ertz? Can I maybe sneak a get a you know Zach Ertz and a third to get a second? I would do that in a heartbeat too. So I'm not buying the, the Zach Ertz thing. Trey McBride. It doesn't look very pretty for him either. If he can't um, beat out Zach Ertz, like you'd think they'd want to see as much of Trey McBride as they possibly could, and they're not. Uh, the running back situation, James Conner dominated it. There's like, Keontae Ingram is there, seven snaps. He had five carries, but he was terrible on those carries. He had negative yards on his carries. So um, that's not a running back situation I really want to deal with right now. Uh, so next game up here, I'm going to kind of just skip around here and just go over some games that I think are a little bit interesting here. So Tampa Bay and Minnesota. So obviously with Tampa Bay, they're using four different receivers right now with obviously with Russell Gage out for the year. Godwin Evans, they're going to dominate the routes, run the targets, all that. Don't need to tell you about that. The third receiver job kind of was a split between Trey Palmer and Devin Tompkins, kind of like I thought it would be. So Palmer, 23 snaps, 16 routes run, 3 targets. Devin Tompkins, 18 snaps, 10 routes run, 3 targets. Obviously, Trey Palmer did have the touchdown, but that is just something to note here, that Trey Palmer and Devin Tompkins are going to kind of split those uh, third receiver snaps until somebody really takes a hold of it. Uh, Cade Otten. I think he played 97% of the snaps this week, uh, 66 snaps, 29 routes run, three targets. So he was out there quite a bit. Nice to see for Kate Otten. That's another guy, like I said, I would trade uh, Tyler Conklin for Kate Otten right now too, for sure, just because Kate Otten is going to be out there as much as humanly possible. And then the running backs, Rashad White, 54 snaps, 21 routes run, two targets, 17 carries. Um, Sean Tucker and Chase Edmonds mixed in. You know, a little bit here and there too, but Rashad White pretty much dominated the uh, the routes and the uh, carries there. So the one I wanted to mention here was Minnesota. This is a chart that I absolutely love to see for fantasy. So it's Minnesota Vikings wide receivers, three of them. Jefferson, Osborne, Addison. There wasn't even another wide receiver that ran a route. Perfect. Thank you. I know where the ball is going to go and who it's going to be. Jefferson, Osborne, Addison, uh, you know, got the targets of the routes. Tight ends, they used three tight ends, but one of them was just a blocker, Johnny Munt. But Hawkinson and Oliver played uh, a bunch. So Hawkinson, 48 snaps, 36 routes run, 8 targets. Josh Oliver, 30 snaps, 13 routes run, 3 targets. That is it for the tight ends. Then the running backs, 2 running backs, that is it. Alex Madison, Ty Chandler. Obviously, Alexander Madison dominated there from a routes run standpoint and a carry standpoint. Ty Chandler didn't play as much, but this is the kind of offense you love to see. Like The Tampa Bay Tom Brady offenses were just like this. It would be like 3 receivers, one tight end, two running backs, that's it. And they just got out of there. So I love, and Minnesota's kind of been like this the last couple of years too. This very, very concentrated offense through this couple of different receivers that you know where the ball is going to go. I love it, love it, love it. So that was good to see. Um, next up here, we're going to look at, we're going to talk about the uh, Packers and the Bears. So the Packers are a little weird uh, snap-wise because Christian Watson didn't play. Romeo Dubs was uh, banged up even though he scored two touchdowns. So they played five wide receivers, and they got 20 snaps or more on all of them. So the one who actually led was Dontavian Wicks, which was surprising to me. 37 snaps, 19 routes running. He only had the two targets. Malik Heath was actually listed as a starter. 
Um, he was listed as um, out there on the first play, basically. 29 snaps, 9 routes run, 1 target. So he didn't run as many routes as the other guys did. Jaden Reed, 32 snaps, 20 routes run, 5 targets. Dubs, 29 snaps, 20 routes run, 5 targets. Samari Torre, 21 targets or snaps, 12 routes run, 3 targets. So obviously when Christian Watson comes back this week, hopefully um, this is going to change a little bit, which we could kind of review next week. Um, but I think what's going to happen here is Jaden Reed and Samari Torre are going to be your uh, slot receivers. Dubs. And, you know, one of these Malik Keith or Wicks is going to be probably Malik Keith is going to be on the other side and Christian Watson and Wicks are going to be on the other side. So I think Keith and Wicks are just kind of direct backups right now. Um, Obviously with Dubs with his hamstring injury, that's kind of why he was out there. Luke Musgrave pretty much dominated the tight end routes, run and targets. Love seeing that. Um, And then obviously A.J. Doan, Aaron Jones kind of did their thing as well. Uh, now the Chicago Bears. So they had three guys that pretty much ran all the routes, run, and snaps. So it was more Mooney Claypool. But, you know, Justin Fields struggled again. Cole Komet absolutely dominated tight end snaps at 72 at 46 routes, run seven targets. So he got a lot. Um, and then the Bears running back. So this is the one I wanted to bring up. Roshan Johnson, 29 snaps, 18 routes run, 7 targets, 5 carries. Khalil Herbert, 27 snaps, 13 routes run, 4 targets, 9 carries. And Deontay Foreman, 21 snaps, 16 routes run, 3 targets, 5 carries. So what happened was Khalil Herbert was um, the starter here. And then on third downs, Roshan Johnson would come in. And then I think after like two series, Deontay Foreman got a series to himself as well. So kind of just going to read a little bit more about this, that Khalil Herbert received every snap for the Bears on their first drive, but after that point, it was a free-for-all. The only clear tendency was that Roshan Johnson was the primary third down back. Johnson played on third downs with the starters and the Bears in the last preseason game, so that wasn't a surprise. Uh, Herbert ended up with the most carries with nine, and they resulted in 27 yards. It was Roshan Johnson who scored the team's only rushing touchdown, and that was late in the game, while Johnson also led the team in the receptions with six. Um, Johnson, you know, he should be, you know, a guy in in your redraft leagues that you target on the waiver wire, but you probably, um, he's probably, you know, taken in all of our dynasty leagues. He probably got drafted, but Roshan Johnson, I think, you know, it's looking up for him. So maybe that's a guy that I try and buy cheaply right now. If I can get Roshan for a third and I give up one of my backs, you know, I give up, um, you know, Tyrion Davis price and a third to get Roshan Johnson, something like that. I would be okay with, uh, with that. Uh, next game up we're going to talk about is probably the game of the week and that was between Miami and LA Chargers here so kind of looking at the wide receivers here uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Braxton Berrios, River Craycraft, Eric Ezekama uh, those were the five receivers that they used so obviously Waddle and Hill were, were two of the most used um, players during the week but Braxton Berrios and River Craycraft both got five targets each uh, Brario's 25 routes run, 14 routes run for Craycraft. So kind of looking at it here, too, I wanted to bring it up. Um, the Dolphins' wide receiver rotation was exactly as we expected. Waddle and Tyree Kill were the starters. Craycraft and Ezukama getting significant playing time when either needed a break. So when you know Tyreek is running down the field all the time, one of those guys came in. Uh, Braxton Berrios didn't play in 21 or 22 personnel at all, but he played 34 of his 35 snaps in 11 personnel. So that was interesting to uh, to note there on Braxton Berrios. Uh, Braxton Berrios is a guy I picked up this week because I think he's going to be the slot receiver, um, at least the leading in the slot receiver there. Craycraft I saw picked up a little bit too in my deeper dynasty leagues. I'm okay with that as well. Looking at the Chargers here, uh, so Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer were the most routes run and snaps. Uh, Quinton Johnson did get in there a little bit too. Uh, but the Dolphins dominated in that run game, man. Eckler and Josh Kelly were a tag team that they just they kicked ass, to be honest, uh, quite honestly. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was nice to see. Oh, one more thing on the um, Dolphins I wanted to bring up. Durham Smythe played 100% of the snaps, 62 snaps, ran 33 routes run, 7 targets. Durham Smythe's a guy in best ball I don't mind picking up either, like if he's out there. 
If he's going to be out there for 100% of the snaps on a very, very good offense, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, so with the, you know, Mike Williams did miss a significant portion of the game in the second quarter with a head injury, uh, did come back in. So that's why his numbers and routes and all that weren't as great as they could have been in this game where they could have used him. Uh, I think that's only going to keep going up here. Um, one thing I did want to mention with, uh, Gerald Everett and Donald Parham. So the Chargers, um, they've kind of changed how they're using their tight ends under the new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, so far. The Chargers used to have a three-man committee, committee with Everett almost always pairing or uh, playing on uh, passing downs. This year, um, it's kind of Everett and Parham are kind of playing together as a duo. Um, instead of Everett being the receiving tight end and Parham the blocking tight end, the two are being used interchangeably. Everett's total percentage of snaps is similar to last season so far, but his 25 run blocks were more than any game last season, while his 25 pass routes were lower than average. Um, so that's why you know the, the Chargers ran the ball a lot, um, ran the ball a lot. Um, so that's not really in favor of Gerald Everett. So you might not want to consider um, starting Gerald Everett that much this year. Now, next game up, I'm going to mention here it will be the Rams and the Seahawks. So kind of looking at the Rams, man, they that's another, my other Super Bowl team. Seattle took a big shit this week. Um, so with the Rams here, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua, those are the three main receivers here. Spence Garana got in there a little bit too. But, man, Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua absolutely destroyed it this week. Nakua, 15 targets. Atwell, 8. Um, I don't know if it was the defense focus more on Van Jefferson. But, man, props to Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua. They stepped up big time this week. Um, and that's because, you know, that affected Tyler Higby too. Higby was out there a bunch, ran a bunch of routes run, but because these they have three receivers. You know, Higby wasn't really used much. Um, whenever the Rams have three good receivers going, Higby always takes the back seat. Um, it's happened every single year. So that's kind of wanted to mention that on Higby. Now the running back. So I always mention it on here. Um, that that tweet from Adam Schefter before last year's Rams uh, Rams Bills game on Thursday night to open the year last year. Uh, that Kyron Williams was going to be a significant part of this offense even um, you know before the season started. And guess what? It's happening now because he's finally healthy, and they have Cam Akers who they really don't trust. Um, so Cam Akers got the quote-unquote start, but after that, Williams entered the game for the second play, and he was the Rams leader in every situation after that. Uh, Williams was expected to be the passing down back, with Akers as the early down back, but Williams took most of the early down work in the game. Uh, Akers ended the game with 29 yards and a touchdown on 22 carries, so not very good. Uh, the Rams had a 17-13 lead heading into the fourth quarter, and at that time, Williams had more carries, 11-10, and nearly three times as many yards, 36-13 at that point. It wasn't until late in the fourth quarter when the Rams were protecting their lead that Akers overtook Williams as the leader in carries. Akers received eight carries in the last four minutes of the game. So he was the guy in there that was icing the game, quote-unquote. This makes Williams the clear waiver wire target running back for the week as he's the one clear top running back available um, on the waiver wire. So if Kyron Williams was out there on your waiver wires, hopefully you picked him up. Um, I have a crap ton of... Uh, Kyron Williams, so I was happy uh, that I got him. We'll see if this this back um, usage keeps up, but I kind of thinking it's going to, to be honest. Um, and then looking at the uh, Seahawks quickly, so obviously Metcalf, Lockett, JSN were the top three receivers. Good to see JSN out there. He had the same amount of targets as Metcalf. Um, the offensive line got beat up, so but they lost both tackles. I don't know if it's for a long time or not. Um, but it really affected the Seahawks for sure. Uh, so hopefully they can get their passing game, their offensive line play back, you know, to what we expected the Seahawks to be so they can get going. Um, so Ken Walker, Charbonnet, DJ Dallas, Walker was a clear RB1 in this game. The one thing I do want to mention, though, is the tight end snap usage. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Noah Fant, 25 snaps, 14 routes run. Colby Parkinson, 21 snaps, 11 routes run, two targets. Uh, Fant didn't even have a target. And then Will Disley, 16 snaps, nine routes run, two targets. Um, so what this means is this is a three-way cluster here at the tight end spot. 
and you can't trust Noah Fant. He is like tight end, like 30 of 32 starting tight ends right now for me. So if you have Noah Fant on your team, unfortunately, you just can't play him right now. Um, I don't think a lot of people were playing him, but if you were, I think that's kind of what uh, you're looking at here. Um, but yeah, that's going to be it um, for the looking at some of these games so far. Nothing else really kind of stood out to me. You know, obviously I talked a little bit about the uh, the Jets and the Bills game and, and whatnot, and, and that sucked for Aaron Rodgers. I think it just sucks for us for as NFL fans. Um, you know, having to have that big of an injury, man, and uh, yeah, it's just such a kick in the teeth. Sometimes some of these injuries that you get, and it seems like it just happens every single week. Like we have this. Um, you know, a, an injury that takes somebody away from us that we love watching play, that we enjoy watching play. I go and sit down like, man, I get to watch Aaron Rodgers play tonight. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, stuff like this happens. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about the turf and the grass fields. Hopefully the NFL fixes this. Like, you know, NFL players are telling you that this turf is not good for them and they feel like crap after playing on it. Like, just go back to grass. Just mandate it. Go back to grass. Everyone's happy. It's a win-win. Um, you know, these turf fields are just are just not it. So hopefully the NFL finally, finally, finally learns their lesson on this and gets some grass fields in there. So get off my soapbox on that one. Um, before we leave, though... We gotta play America's favorite game, and even though this is a solo show, I gotta deliver it. So uh, this week, I think I'm gonna talk about what is my favorite NFL safety of all time. So this one, I love safety play. So I've always loved safeties, man. I grew, growing up, honestly, that's that's kind of where the love came from. And I had Ed Reed, I had Troy Palomalu, I had Bob Sanders, Brian Dawkins. You know, Steve Atwater was really good. Sean Taylor was amazing. Um, Brian Dawkins, you had all these guys. John Lynch. Um, geez, there's, there's so many other ones I can name. Darren Woodson was, was a really solid player. Rod Woodson as well, obviously, for the Raiders or uh, Steelers. Um, and then he went to the Raiders, obviously, too. But. Yeah, I would say my favorite safety of all time, I, I got to go back to my Eagles fandomhood here and go Brian Dawkins. Um, hopefully some people, you guys got to watch the um, the NFL Network uh, documentary on Brian Dawkins on his season one. Uh, man, he was just a special player, man. That dude played with so much passion and fire and anger and all of that that I had never seen before and absolutely fell in love with him with the Eagles. That dude was just a freaking missile, just smashing into people, making big play after big play. Uh, his hits, I remember that big hit on Algie Crumpler in the playoffs um, where the Eagles went to the Super Bowl for the first time. Um, he absolutely lit Algie Crumpler up over the middle. And Algie Crumpler was no joke. He was like a big 6'6". Six, six. 280 pound tight end like he was no joke coming over the middle and Dawkins just smashed him uh, knocked him clean on his ass um, but yeah Brian Dawkins man what an unbelievable player uh, definitely one of my favorites I loved Ed Reed Ed Reed was also one of my favorites Bob Sanders even though he got hurt all the time man Bob Sanders was an absolute missile fun to play um even being a browns fan i have to respect what troy palomalu did that dude was an absolute beast too running all over the field jumping over the line uh his anticipation picking off plays um just his knack for the big play and the big moment uh ed reed and troy palomalu brian dawkins those three are probably the class for me of like top safeties obviously Sean Taylor was in there too can't forget Sean Taylor he was um, an absolute amazing player um, obviously tragic death and all that um, he would have definitely been a hall of famer no doubt in my mind if he you know would have lived on but yeah like if you grew up you know you're the same age as me in the mid 30s um, and you love football like I did and you watch those guys um, like Rodney Harrison's another one too. I forgot to mention Rodney Harrison. That's another great safety that just played the game that way too. Um, 
uh, yeah, man, there's uh, there are so many good safety safety play back in uh, the 2000s, 2010s, uh, early or late 90s, stuff like that, man. There are so many good safeties. So if you enjoyed good safety play, I'm sure you were just like me. You loved all those guys as well. So, um, all right, guys, that is going to be it for this solo edition of America's Game. We should have uh, somebody back with me. Uh, next week either adam mike maybe another guest not sure yet but yeah that was it for week one gave you guys some of my thoughts here on week one some of those thoughts i uh things i saw some trades that we can definitely make here on um you know for your dynasty leagues so yeah i appreciate you guys for listening um loving the comments and that you guys are loving the show being back and um i got a lot of compliments on the waiver wire show as well so if you guys didn't check out the waiver wire show this past week please do it's on the south harmer network I go deep into the waiver wires for you guys. I'm not giving you the, oh, hey, pick up Nico Collins. Hey, pick up Zay Flowers. Uh, yeah, no shit. They're owned in all of our leagues. Um, I'm giving you the deep guys to pick up. So if you... Um, you know, I know waivers are already over, but if you want to go back and listen to that waiver wire episode uh, that's on the South Harmon podcast, you'll get a glimpse into what I'm going to bring to you guys every single week for the waiver wire show. Um, something I enjoy doing, and hopefully you guys are uh, picking up a lot from that. I know a lot of people said some really nice things about it, so I'm glad that everybody enjoyed that. So, uh, yeah, until next week, guys, uh, follow me at Eric Vanek NFL at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. Uh, follow those two for me. At South Harmon FF is the new um, South Harmon's Twitter, basically. We're going to post all our stuff on there, all our, audic- our articles, all our podcasts, um, all our YouTube videos, YouTube shorts. Um, all that stuff is going to be on that um, on that uh, South Harmon FF on Twitter, so that'll get posted to you guys every single week. Uh, we're going to have our schedule posted on there. It's going to be great, man. So it was a really nice first week. Um, the Start Sit show on Sunday, I can't forget about that as well. Start Sits, uh, myself, Adam, and Mike, we do that every Sunday morning at 12 noon, and we go up to about 5, five 10 minutes before kickoff, and we cut it off. Uh, but we're answering all your Start Sit questions that you may have right before the game. So um, that was a blast doing it with those guys last year. We're we're doing it again this year for sure, and we're going to do it even better this year. So I thought we did pretty well the first week. Uh, helped out a lot of people with their questions. So if you want your questions answered, please join us uh, live on YouTube on Sunday mornings for that as well. So until next week for uh, Episode 8, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one. <laughs>